Hey guys, welcome into the Corked Up podcast. Uh, I'm not calling it version two anymore. I, I was just thinking that's like right off the, the cuff of the head. Cuff of the head is what I just said. Anyways, this is NBA part two. I told Frank I'd fuck up that intro, but here we are. We got Nas back uh, with us. Uh, super underwhelming introduction for him. <laughs> uh, but up, guys? Uh, Frank, Frank's also here and, and Jack is here too. We, we, got the, we got the band back together to do a little NBA talk. Um, Frank was just telling us that that was our highest listened to episode, uh, which, you know, we figured we're, we're craved for attention. So we figured we'd do it again and, uh, and, and get back to talking about little NBA Nas. Welcome back. Um, we, we appreciate you, uh, you know, wasting your time with us. I mean, it's not like I had anything else going on, you know, um, on spring break from teaching and I was like, all right, I'll talk some sports. Like, let's go. And that's. That's what we should be, an afterthought. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, Frankie, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. And I would like to point out that before we started recording, you were beyond excited to get, get your intro, and it was probably the worst one yet. So I just <laughs> want to let everybody know that. I just hope people expect it at this point. They're just like fast forwarding to about five minutes in because they know we've already <laughs> we've already done the terrible intro and uh, we, we, we did what we needed to do. So let's just jump into things. A uh, little NBA part two. We, we you know, the NBA trade deadline came and went. Uh, we decided Frank and I were holding off to see if the Bulls would actually do anything. And surprisingly, they they made a huge move. So we'll get to that. Um, we'll also do some likes and dislikes, and then Frank wants to continue ranting about how much he actually hates the NBA in its current form. So uh, let's just get started. Um, you know, the Bulls obviously made the trade for Nikola Vucevic. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I've, I've just been calling him Vooch because it's easier to spell on my phone to everybody. Uh, they traded for uh, Troy Brown Jr., and then they also traded for Daniel Tice as well. Wendell Carter is gone. Chandler Hutchinson gone frank had no clue who that was so it doesn't even matter um frank what what let, let's start you know what no 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 we're gonna start with Nas. he's the guest we'll start with him uh Nas, what do you think of the move is do you like it for the bulls does it make sense that they're kind of going all in uh i wouldn't call this all in i think this is a very fair trade where the bulls didn't really compromise themselves in any crazy way uh i think this front office has now shown that like they're going to be aggressive if they see something that is within their buying price or within their means. And I mean, the Vooch, the Vooch, it's Vucevic, by the way, Vucevic. And um, I, I really like the move personally. And then the, the Daniel Tice move low key, like for a playoff run, it is nice to have that backup big there that can actually provide some rim protection. Like I, I, I think, one thing we can take away is this team, this front office understands the idea of team building and what that looks like. So it's just like, honestly, it's more of a relief that we're not like living in the pack scar era anymore. Like I just feel, I felt great about the move. Cause it's like, Oh my God, they understand like today's basketball. That's amazing. <laughs> so that was my takeaway. <laughs> Frank, any, any other thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the second half of what Nas said, just like not living in the Gar Packs, it, it, it honestly felt, and with all us being Cubs fans here, I think we're all going to relate, like when Theo Epstein really started to put it together with the Cubs, you're like, fuck, like this isn't Jim Hendry anymore, like yeah. we're not dishing out $60 million to Ted Lilly to be our number one guy, like <laughs> it was refreshing to see them really make moves, but I think to Nas is, you know, the, the overarching point of like not really compromising themselves, like we didn't give up a ton and they made the right moves, like I, I, I loved it, now 
Um, outside of Vucevic, I wasn't familiar with the other two, but I was really excited about the Vucevic deal. I will say the one thing that I really, really wanted was Lonzo Ball to be a bull because I think that's what the team is still missing. Just that floor general, a facilitator, because I don't, well, I know for a fact right now, Kobe White isn't that. He may very well get there one day, but if we can transition him to the bench to be that microwave guy, like the sixth, seventh man to come off and just chuck up some shots, have someone like Lonzo to really facilitate the offense, that would have really completed that deadline for me. But all in all, I thought it was a, a success. I mean, we went into this year, remember Jack, I don't know if we recorded this or not, but it was just like, I just want the Bulls to be fun. Like it was so bad under Jim Boylan. And that was really like, <laughs> my, my last point here is, I'll throw it to you, Jack. Like that, this all, it's probably just me being like a pessimistic Chicago sports fan, but like that made me, you know, even more disgruntled about those years with Jim Boylan. These are the moves that should have been happening two years ago when you first get Zach, when Laurie's still a high upside, he still is a high upside guy, but people are a little bit more down on him. When Wendell's a rookie, when we kind of, you know, like we would be two years flash, you know, uh, fast forward, we would really know what we have in quite a few guys. And they were just like in purgatory for two years because Jim Boylan is a clown. Yeah, no, I, I agree with pretty much every point you guys had. Um, I thought the trade for Tice was honestly uh, more of a sneaky trade that I actually liked as well, because you're right, Nas, you're right. The, the rim protection, I mean, they, they were just trading for just straight offense and pretty much eliminating any, any guys who play defense on this team. So I thought that was a, a good veteran, you know, good savvy move uh, for a front office that I think has established themselves pretty well with this fan base. And I think this just increased their their credibility with with the Bulls fans as well. Um, just that much more. Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure. I, I didn't see a whole lot of people upset that Wendell was gone. Um, I think, you know, that just goes that he just didn't really fit what Billy Donovan likes to do. And he, I mean, they called him what he was as the seventh pick overall. You know, we've heard it since he was drafted. He was the safe pick. And I think it's it's encouraging. I, th- I think it's more of like a metaphor that the Bulls traded away just, you know, trying to be safe, 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 because that's what you know, Garpax was was known for is just, you know, playing it on the safer side. Um, and I thought bringing in a guy who just turns in double doubles like it's like it's fucking nothing. I thought that was just something that as a Bulls fan, you don't really realize how how rare it is that the Bulls actually get double doubles. Like it just doesn't happen a whole lot um, in an NBA where you think it's just as common as it should be with all the triple doubles and stuff. So um, I know people are a little bit you know, down on the four game losing streak right now. I just think that's, you know, getting used to playing with new guys. They haven't even had a chance to practice yet. So um, really no concern level, but in your opinion, you know, do you think the bulls will miss Wendell Carter jr? Are you kind of, you know, on, are you fine with him being gone? Uh, Frank, you want me to start this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Cause I don't have too many thoughts on it. I, I think to your point, Jack, that would like Wendell kind of encompassed what Garpax did. They, they were really good at finding like, you know, guys in the mid, the middle of the first round, end of the first round who were like high floor, low ceiling type of guys. And, and he was just another one of those guys for me. He had a lot of question marks as to whether or not he could be a superstar or like really help a contending team uh, coming out of college just because he was like the fourth option on, on Duke. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we didn't really know, you know, what, what that meant. Granted, Patrick Williams is, maybe a little bit similar, but I think his athletic profile transcends his role in, in, in college. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think we'll, we'll miss him too much. I will say it's disappointing that he couldn't stay healthy. And, and, and again, we didn't you know really know exactly what we had. He reminded me, 
and Nas, maybe you feel a little bit differently. He reminded me almost like, and it sounds disrespectful, but like a great value Taj Gibson. Like he didn't really fit today's NBA unless you really wanted to transition him into like uh, a rim protector type of guy. But again, he couldn't really stay healthy enough to really carve out a role, at least with the Bulls. I, I wish him luck, uh, you know, in his future ventures. But here it didn't seem to really be working out. Yeah, you know, I, I think the Taj comparison is is pretty good. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a that's a good player if you're drafting at 22. Yeah. Like where we, I think we got Taj. I think he was like the 22nd or 24th yep. pick. You get a guy like that at that position, you're feeling pretty good. You get a guy like that at like the eighth or ninth pick or whatever Wendell was. I think you're actually relieved you didn't fuck it up too much. You know, yeah. like that. Right. That's kind of that's kind of the mindset because it really. I mean, after the first three picks of the NBA draft, I would I would venture to guess I haven't looked it up that in depth, but it's pretty much a crapshoot. Like. It's just about whose scouting is slightly better. And then also, like, in terms of availability of those players, like, who actually got to see that player play in person? Like, there's so many variables when you're drafting later in the first round, even in the middle of the first round. So it's like just the fact that Wendell Carter can be a productive player is a win at that pick. You just don't feel as good about it because, like, you're supposedly drafting from, like, the top tier of players. But, like, just kind of like in the NFL, like, there's a huge drop-off throughout those seven rounds in the NFL draft, but break that up into two rounds for the NBA draft, you know, like, and it's much smaller fragments of, of players. Um, so I'm, and I'm also going to be asking, and I think Wendell's a good kid. Like I, I actually think he's a good character guy. And I, if he stays healthy, I have no doubt that he will play for a long time. This is the first time I have thought about him since the trade. This is this <laughs> moment right here. I have not taken a second thought about him. Because, I mean, just because, like, uh, it was in my excitement for a Vooch. Like, we yeah. got one of four big dudes, I think, that are averaging 20 and 10. It's so, like, that's rare. That's rare company. However you look at it, whether you think it's stat stuffing or not, like, that. this guy's a hooper, and he's a bucket. So, that's fine. Agreed. And speaking yeah. of speaking of good character, Wendell was a really good character on the wire, too. Go ahead, Jack. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, so it's actually... I'm, I'm glad you brought up character because this is kind of the last point I really want to make on, on the Bulls element of the trade before we get to some of the other NBA trade deadline stuff. Uh, I don't know if it was just bad timing. I don't know if it's maybe, you know, what helped initiate that type of trade. But I thought it was really interesting that after the loss to the Cavs, um, without the Cavs' best fucking player in Colin Sexton, uh, Wendell called out the team basically and was like, we weren't – I saw a bunch of dudes who just went in – expecting to win uh they lose and then next thing you know he's the one one of the guys that gets traded i thought that was pretty interesting is that you know do you guys think that had something to do with it or do you think it was just a product of the time and do you like the fact that if it was part of the trade you know kind of what kicked off that that trade do you like that they're trying to establish that mentality of just like all right no one's safe on this team you know you got to earn your spot uh, yeah, I, I don't think that had any impact on the trade. I'm guessing the magic came in a little bit higher because they wanted, uh, assets. Um, from what I've been listening to and what I've been reading, they were looking for three first round draft picks. They probably started the pitch there and then they're like, okay, give us one of your young guys. And then it trickled down. All right, well, how about Wendell and two firsts? You're essentially getting a first rounder and a young player on it still on his rookie deal. And the magic 
probably shopped around and saw if they could find something better. They didn't, and they settled for it, is what, is what I'm guessing happened. I don't think Wendell's comments affected the trade at all. I think that was just like, that was just the part of the bargaining process on the Bulls' side. I Frank, agree. I, I, but I also think, though, his assessment was correct. It, it was almost like, uh, who was it on... <laughs> on the Rams who called uh, Matthew Stafford a, a clear uh, oh, upgrade. Rockets. Yeah. And then, then he gets traded. traded <laughs> then he traded in Detroit to play with the same quarterback. He said, you know, they, they upgraded from, and I think it was and one of those like, things no, like, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think Wendell was the same thing. Like he, his assessment was correct. They, they kind of go into games, you know, not willing to work hard thinking that, you know, they're just going to win just by showing up and they're not that type of team yet. And unfortunately he, he was used as a piece, not unfortunately, but for him, you know, uh, he was used as the piece to, to make the team better. All right. All right. And then uh, let's go ahead and get into our likes and uh, and dislikes here. Uh, Nas, we'll start with, with give me give me one. We'll, we'll start on the negative side because anyone who listens to this podcast <laughs> knows that we're a little bit more, you know, pessimistic. We hate everything, yada, yada, yada. So let's start with, give me, give me, give us one of your main dislikes of the NBA trade, trade deadline, whether it was just, you know, a, a trade you liked that you wish would have gone somewhere else, or maybe just didn't like for the league or, or whatever it is overall. Um, I have a few likes. Um, I would say my, my, what I think is the smartest move was the heat getting Oladipo. Yeah. Okay. Just because, I mean, this guy has been rumored to the heat for a few years and now they just kind of got him for a very controlled cost, and he's now he's trying out for that team. I, I thought that was a pretty savvy move. Um, and then I also really liked the Blazers getting Norman Powell, and I feel like that dude is going to get paid in the offseason. And I actually, it kind of has me thinking if the Blazers are low-key trying him out so that they can ship C.J. McCollum. That's what I – I haven't read anything about that. That's totally <laughs> speculation. I you heard it here first on the Cork Cup podcast. DJ <laughs> yeah. McCollum I, gone from the Blazers next year. I, I, the reason I think of it is just because Powell is a little bit of a bigger, bigger guard. So it's a much easier and natural pairing to go with Damian Lillard. He can also guard his position to a degree. With CJ and, and CJ and Dame, and Dame, like they're the fucking, they're a, a great offensive backcourt and they probably outweigh like that, that offensive prowess probably outweighs anything negative defensively. But if you can get similar production at the other guard spot and upgrade in terms of size and possible, de- possibly defense, I think it's worth for the Blazers to at least look at or think about um, what I was, uh, the Blazers in terms of, uh, three perimeter players with that scoring prowess. I, I think if you were to actually look at teams that are going to the playoffs, that could say they have three perimeter guys that could fill up that way. I think it's probably a pretty limited or small list. So I really like that. Move. Okay. Frank, That's, you want to, you want to give us your like? Yeah. You know what? I, it may turn into a dislike eventually, but on the outset, I love that Orlando is just blowing it up. Like they're not going to continue to settle for the AC. Like, I, like, you know, we kind of talked about last episode, you know, what it takes to really build something and like, you know, the ways that I've seen it in the past. The one, the, the most fun way, which may take a little bit, was just what the Sixers did. Like, just keep fucking losing and keep getting the number one or number three or whatever pick and just like keep churning it out that way because you're just going to eventually compile so much young talent that you can either build with that or, uh, you know, trade them out for 
someone who may be disgruntled in another James Harden situation or whatever. So I, uh, that, that's, I'm a big fan when teams do that. Like I, I don't, they made the playoffs what the last two years, at least maybe three as, as the eight or seven seed. So like they've had mild success from, especially from the market that they're from. Um, but I, I like that they, they seem to not be settling for, yeah, we're just going to churn out the eight seed and like sign DJ Augustine to a one-year deal every year. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, like do it that way. So I, for me, that was a, that was a huge like, because I would, I wouldn't even mind with how top heavy that the NBA is as it stands. And, and really as it's kind of always been just more teams taking that. I don't know if the magic will take that route, but it seems to be heading that way, but just taking that Sixers route. Like if we're going to lose, let's really fucking lose. You know what I mean? Like I'm okay with that. Like I, I think that's, uh, you know, one of the more organic ways to build the team. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's what they do. That was a pretty big thing for me, getting rid of uh, quite a few of their, their bigger name players. Yeah. In the same vein, uh, just the thunder, the fact that they keep just getting draft picks. Like what well, I think I saw, like they have like 36 picks or something like that. In, like the next couple, like seven years. It's, yeah. it's insane how many picks that they'll have to, to kind of play with a little bit. Um, I, I, one of my likes was also the Norman Powell one as well. Um, but uh, honestly, uh, this may be more of a, a low-key move that I actually kind of really liked was the fact that the Clippers traded for Rajon Rondo, um, just because I think that gives them, uh, you know, more of a point guard to to really start and play with. Obviously, he has experience dealing with the Lakers, um, playing with them. So I think that's just, you know, kind of helping them load up a little bit more and, and kind of getting ready for that title run. I still don't think we've seen the Clippers at full strength like they 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 kind of just start and stop a little bit um so i'm kind of hoping to see what they can really do as a combined team um in terms of dislikes uh, i i'll just start this one and we'll kind of circle back around uh i gotta be honest i i did not like the aaron gordon trade to the nuggets i'm i just i i don't really get the whole Aaron Gordon love. Like he shows up in the dunk contest and then disappears. I know it's in Orlando. I, I, I get that, but he just doesn't really do anything special for me. Uh, granted, you know, in that offense, he'll probably provide the Jeremy Grant style, uh, the, that Jeremy Grant role that they kind of just, you know, let him go, but then just, you know, keep, keep Jeremy Grant. If that's, if that's the role you wanted to fill, I, I just, I didn't love the trade. I don't think Aaron Gordon is really going to do a whole lot for a team that's looking to, to win a title. So um, you guys can piggyback off that, give your thoughts and kind of give us some other dislikes as well. I I, I think it's a little outrageous of a take. <laughs> I think get, it was, give it to me. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I think uh, for the style that the Nuggets play, Having a guy who's between 6'8 and 6'11 who can guard to a degree fours and fives and then also stretch the floor offensively, I don't really see how that's a bad trade for the Nuggets. I think it only enhances the ability of the other players around him. So uh, for me, I don't know. I felt a little hot takey. I don't know. You think of the lineup of Jokic, Murray, MPJ and Gordon all on the court. I don't really know how you guard that team, to be honest. Four of those guys can shoot. I, I'm trying to think of like fill in whoever you want for that fifth for that fifth guy. Most likely, he's a decent three point shooter because they're good as a whole team. Um, I I, just, I actually I love the move and it adds athleticism. You got the best passing center in the league 
I mean, I don't know. It, it, it felt it felt like a pretty solid, good move. Obviously, I don't think it's a great move because I'm also not positive Aaron Gordon's going to be a good like a good player on a winning like on a championship team. Yeah. But he's I mean, he's proven to be productive and shoot at like all the clips that you want from a guy who's a swing guy like that. So I, I, I think it was I think it was a good, solid move. And with the, the Jeremy Grant point. I mean, they offered him sixty mil, and he walked away. Like, yeah. it's not like they said bye bye, Jeremy. They like they gave him a competitive offer, and he chose to be the featured guy in Detroit, and sucks sucks there. So, yeah, uh, I, I mean, mean, he he's doing great individually, but the team sucks. To, I I think I think dislike is probably not. It's probably a little more harsher of a word. I just felt very meh about it. Like, I, I mean, Gary Harris obviously wasn't doing anything for them. So, you know, obviously turning into a more productive player, that's fine. I just, I'm just not a big believer in Aaron Gordon. Like I, I need to see a little bit more for it to become like, Oh, this was an amazing trade. You know, if obviously if it helps him win a title, great. But you know, I, I think it was a little overblown for, for kind of what it was. I, I think the name kind of, sold that trade a little bit more than necessarily, you know, his, his actual play ability. So I think dislike is probably a little bit heavier of a word, but you know, sometimes you just got to give hot takes out there, Frankie. Jack, I think, I think though your dislike comes from the realm that like, we all know Aaron Gordon or I hate the, I hate the magic. Well, you do hate the magic, but (laughs) it's just because like Aaron Gordon's name has gotten probably bigger than maybe it should have been just because like ESPN, blasted his dunk contest highlight reel for the last 15 years, right? Like, so, and he's never been anything. I mean, he's had good gap watching him. He's a solid player, but I think Nas's point, why it probably was a really solid move is because now he gets to be a role player on a pretty good team and, and, and can play. But so I think there's like layers to that in which you both have good takes. I think for me, my biggest dislike um, was the Spurs just getting nothing for LaMarcus Aldridge. Like I, I, But it's not just LaMarcus Aldridge. For me, it's like, what is happening in San Antonio? Because I I feel like after their big three got old, they retire, Tony Parker becomes a fucking hornet for whatever reason. Um, Like, you had something to really work with still for Pop. And I don't know if he just doesn't relate to the players anymore or he doesn't, like... You know, he, he I know he hates today's NBA. Like, he's one of the ones at the forefront. Like, I fucking hate all the threes. I hate the pace. Like, he's a grumpy old man when it comes to it. Like, he he is me, and I am him, I think. Um, but it, I don't know. It's just like that. that's why I really disliked it. It wasn't just this isolated move. It just seems like I expected after the big three for Pop to really have this team competing. Maybe not necessarily for championships, but, like, almost how we look at the Nuggets. Like, there's this sneaky team. They don't have the biggest names. Like, but here's Kawhi, who's maybe one of the best players in the league. He doesn't talk to anybody. He's just kind of like in the corner with his hoodie on, and they're just competing for the three seed every year. And it's like it hasn't happened. And like, like every year, it seems like something else happens. And and this was just like another layer of that. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but it's just like it's been disappointing the end of Popovich's legacy, especially because I consider him the greatest NBA coach of all time. Nas, you want to you want to start? <laughs> Yeah, this is good. I feel like I'm going to be pushing him back a lot. This. Oh, am I, wait, am, I, am I? Am I? Well, tell me where I'm off in that. Like, just to me, like from the outside looking in it, that's what it comes across like to me. Like, you think of like Kawhi and then Lamarcus. Uh, uh, okay, so 
I know, I mean, I, I feel like when you group those guys together, it kind of looks like something, but I feel like it looks like it's something it isn't. Okay, okay. Uh, I Okay, I think LaMarcus getting, he was, I think his cap number this year was a little absurd for his productivity. I don't know if you've watched the Spurs uh, much this season, but their starting lineup in terms of productivity is amongst the worst in the league. The reason that they're two games above 500 is because they have, the best bench in the league in terms of net rating or they're that was the last time I checked that was a few weeks ago they're they're top five um the style that LaMarcus plays like is the I mean I actually think this is pop evolving and accepting that like okay we we need to move towards our younger players because they're playing the style that's actually keeping us in game. So what's happening is these starters are going out there, especially when you pair up LaMarcus and uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. Like those are like two long two shooters. So they're both not prominent three point shooters. They're taking long twos, which is actually the way pop would like to play. And when he first got them, they were winning in that style. They were, but, I think he saw talent drop off, was like, okay, gave the GM permission. We can move him if we can. But at that cap number, it's immovable. It it, it, w- it wasn't going to get done. They weren't going to get anything back. I don't think I, – I, and I also think our perception of Marcus hasn't uh, evolved publicly as well as it, as well as it should have because no one watches the Spurs. So, you do, like, the LaMarcus in our hearts – is like the 2015 LaMarcus, but it's like, (laughs) he's not that guy anymore. Like, and this is actually going to transition into my dislike, if that's all right. My dislike is this take that I've heard a few times now. And the take is that Brooklyn is stacking up in such a way that if LeBron wins it this year, he has to be the GOAT. Yeah. Okay, I've heard this take from a few different outlets, like, uh, like, oh, if LeBron wins it this year, how could we not give him the GOAT status? Like, And I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me right now? Like, Lamar- LaMarcus, is, he, he's not a starting four anymore. If he, if he is starting as your four, I guarantee that unit is not good or that team as a whole is not good. I promise you that he can, he was, even in his all-star years with the Spurs, where he was playing really good basketball with them, defensively, he was still atrocious. He was trying, but he was still atrocious. And it's, it's just for, for the number that he was getting paid, it was just like, and he's just, he's not that starting level player anymore. He is a come off the bench guy. It's no, you're not adding all-star LaMarcus Aldridge or all-star Blake Griffin to the Nets. You are adding guy. These guys are, strictly role players they are not going they are not going to star in any playoff series where they win four games and they won three of them because Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldridge that will not be the case whatsoever I don't even know there will probably be series where each of those players get DNPs where they're not in the rotation because the matchup doesn't make sense so, like, that has been my biggest dislike over the trade deadline. It's like, oh, all these buyout guys are going to the Nets. And then on the flip side of that, part of that dislike is, like, the like the Andre Drummond love that we are about to get. <laughs> Once he starts, like, really playing with LeBron, it's like, oh, 
and that's what you get with a like a, a great player like Andre Drummond. He's going to get owed so much money this offseason. If he does get paid this offseason, it will be to a trash team. Okay, like if if Andre Drummond was actually really good, he would still be on the Cavs. He's young enough to work with their young players. They would want to keep him. Right. Okay. Like, and and I don't I don't care what the narrative narrative is. If you have a player that is in their prime and is playing really good basketball, the team will find a reason to keep you. They will not just let you sit out for whatever a month and then get bought out like they wouldn't do that with a real player that they like that they like felt could really play for them uh, so the, the the and we are about to get it really good like oh my god look how dominant of a rebounder andre drummond is it's like he's playing next to ad anybody's gonna look good next to that dude all right i'm sorry yeah so well, right. i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in on the on the nuts thing because i i completely agree with you we see this all the time, all the time with older players who just just because of name recognition, you know, people just go nuts with it. It's just funny that it's the Nets because do people just forget that the same thing happened to the same organization not that long ago with Paul Pierce fucking and, and KG? Like, this is the same thing. Everyone expects, oh, because it's the name, because it's Blake Griffin, because it's LaMarcus Aldridge. They're going to, you know, it's, it's not fair. They're stacking up, you know, this and that. It's like, yeah, I mean, they are getting good players, but it's not Clippers, Blake Griffin. It's just not. Um, but Frank, I know that I know that you have a point regarding uh, maybe a little bit different of a point regarding to maybe NBA as a whole when it comes to, to this type of move. But I think specifically to Nas's point, like I agree this this. I've learned to really temper expectations ever since I think it was ever since the Philadelphia Eagles dream team thing where everyone <laughs> is just fucking going nuts. And then they start playing and you're like, man, these guys fucking suck. And then you're like, okay, so this happens. And, and then you start just seeing the pattern. It's every year. So one team wins the off season. And then a year from now, you're not really talking about it because it just didn't end up mattering that much. And it's just, it, it just was funny to me that, it's the Nets who are making this move. Granted, it's a little bit different now because they have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. But the point is, is that, you know, people just, they see that the, a lot of casual fans who probably aren't watching every single day, they don't see the Nets, they, they hear LaMarcus Aldridge's name, and they're like, man, how is he, you know, why is he getting bought out? Like, that's not fair. And it's like, okay, but if you kind of were paying attention to the NBA, you know that LaMarcus Aldridge is kind of past that point where he's just, you know, a walking double-double. So, Frank, I, I know you had another point as well. No, I, well, I think it, it, I was going to pose a question of, because ring chasing has, has always been a thing. I think the first time we saw it, like with players in their prime, was when LeBron and KD, or, um, and D. Wade and uh, Chris Bosh all joined together. That was like what I mean. That like changed the landscape of the NBA. And then you see, like to your point, Nas, a very annoying narrative has been like, look at all the teams that have been built to try to beat LeBron James. Like he goes to the finals, and I literally just saw this tweet like an hour ago. He went to the finals in 07, and then the the Celtics join up together. Like the Celtics are trying to beat Kobe. Like <laughs> like what the the narratives and the revisionist history of all, everything like this is so so annoying. And Jack, um, to your point, like. That's the whole thing is like these guys are pretty clearly past their prime. And like Blake, Blake Griffin even had just said it 
he was just like, I was just, for that past two years, everyone's been telling me how bad I am. Now all of a sudden, this is like the worst, you know, like the worst thing that ever happened in the NBA or this and that. And it's it's the whole thing has become an annoyance. But I think, but now that Nas that you said that, because my point was going to be like, you know, I think we can universally say we dislike that. That like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, released. I'm going to be waived. I'm going to go to this championship winning team. But my whole stance on ring chasing is like to a certain once you hit a certain age and you're kind of past it, it becomes acceptable to me. Like if you're Charles Barkley and you're 40 and you want to join Akeem Olajuwon, fucking go for it. Like get, try to get your ring, dude. Like you've been in the league for 20 years. Like, go, you know, like LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, they've been in the league for, we saw those, I mean, we saw Blake Griffin as a puppy coming out of Oklahoma. Do you guys remember that? Like yeah. he was a young pup, super athletic, super high hopes. And like, it just didn't happen. He, he was never able to, to get past that with Lob City and then, you know, obviously Detroit. So like, go, go for it. Why the hell not? I, I think like people kind of, whether it is name recognition, whether it's a narrative, like I mean, Nas is probably more narrative driven than really anything else. Like that's the annoying part. And that's my huge dislike about it all is like, it's, it's logic doesn't enter the conversation with a lot of the people, especially the national talking heads. It's just like, Oh, Blake Griffin. And then they'll show like his Clippers highlights from 2012. <laughs> I mean, it's like, but the thing is, I feel like I catch a lot of that because I'm a big boxing fan. So you'll see over the hill boxers, like, still fighting and they're like showing his highlights from 07 it's like he's not that anymore that this isn't that at all like you can't build up his opponent saying oh you beat so-and-so because they're not that guy they haven't been the guy for eight years you know and it's like i feel like that happens a ton and and i kind of wanted to couple that with well i wanted to say like that was i think our universal dislike just kind of all that jumbled in but i wanted to transition the conversation like do you guys feel the same way about chasing rings like it does become a certain point in your career when you're a little bit past it that it becomes more, I guess, acceptable. Nas, you want to start? Um, I definitely, I, I think it's an acceptable, like, no, I think it's a norm for sure. I think fans are like more likely to accept a player doing it like at the end of their run. For me personally, I'm actually okay with it. Once I feel like you really tried to be the guy and you tried to be on a winner on your own, and like you re and like you know, like the greats are the greats for a reason. So I actually can respect a player a little bit more if he's at the tail end of his prime per se and he still has some good years left and actually can understand like, you know what? I gave him my best shot here, like I'm not the guy. So like Albeit with like, and like, I mean, Harden's been like the topic of this year because he's in the MVP race, even though he dogged it for like the first 10 games of the <laughs> season. And it's like, if he didn't go out that way, like, and was like respectful of the, like of the game during the season and then got traded, I think he would actually be a front runner right now. But I feel like there's just going to be plenty of votes against him just because of those first 10 games. But like, he did express that he didn't want to be there anymore. And he just gave his whole fucking body for like eight seasons to the Rockets. Like, and, I, and, and, you know, Frank, to your point about the magic, they're blowing it up to like find this player. And the, and like we kind of discussed in the last spot, the Rockets did not do that. And Harden did not complain about not having another lottery pick with them. They tried their best to, you know, find guys out of the G league and, find bargains or find a player like Moneyball guys that were like inefficient somewhere else, but they could find the efficiency out of like, and so like, and you know, if a player is taking that approach where like 
their balls to the wall and they're going to try their best to be the guy. And if he's still in his prime and he has an opportunity to leave to join up with another player because he actually understands that, you know, maybe he can't do it. I'm actually going to I'm going to kind of respect him for it, acknowledging it at least and not just like like you want to win a championship at the end of the day. Like that's like that's one of the major reasons you play. So I'm not going to knock you for wanting to do that. Yeah, uh, I find it very difficult when it comes to almost any sport, really, to feel any negative ways towards players and, and decisions that they make. I just think you're given this when when you're a free agent, when you're bought out, you have very limited time to make decisions for yourself. Right. Like you don't get drafted where necessarily you want to go unless you maybe force a trade. But that's very rare, especially in the NBA. But you you only get so many opportunities. I don't I don't really put it against the players for going somewhere that not only they want to go, but like you said, when they have a chance to win. I've personally never really held it against Kevin Durant for for leaving Oklahoma City to go to Golden State. It just he he tried his best in Oklahoma City. Things didn't really work out. He probably didn't like the direction the team was headed, so he decided to go to one of the best teams and one of the best organizations in in basketball. Like I'm not gonna hold that against him. Um, I really don't. I mean, even even LeBron. Like, fuck, people were mad about him leaving Cleveland, but did you see that roster in Cleveland? They 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 weren't able to do anything. Like. Was it annoying his his mindset when he went to Miami where it's like, oh, the world's against me? Well, yeah, because he did it like a fucking dickhead. That That's why. But I was never mad that he chose Miami to go play with people he wants to play with. I think that's just how the NBA has been set up. Like they they've done this to themselves. They give a lot of power to the players because they understand that's how you market the game. And th- this is kind of. And and the NBA behind the scenes, they don't fucking care who wins. They want to make money. That's that's the whole point. So when when James Harden gets traded to the Nets, that's essentially good for the NBA. It's not necessarily good for Houston, but overall the the owners probably don't care that much because they're the revenue sharing. Like they they get money regardless. So I I don't blame players. I think they're underpaid as it is and just getting the chance to win and and do it the way that they want to do it. I don't really hold that against players at all. And I, I, I don't either. I think Nas, you brought a perspective on the last pod when you talked about like, and I think LeBron was the example of it. Well, actually it was James Harden and LeBron. Like I gave my body to this organization. I'm able to move on. And, and, and my retort to that was like, I totally agree. I just wish you know, the G, it would be like more of a GM and player matching. Um, are like pairing that, that you kind of win instead of like, I'm just going to go play with the second best player in the league. You know right. what I mean? Um, but I think uh, where my issue comes in is that like, and, and Nas, you actually articulated this beautifully on the last podcast, was context just starts to be, you know, just starts to be missed or, or, or looked over or history gets to be revised. Like I'm literally seeing... And I again, I said this last time we we all came together. I hate LeBron is just an easy example because everyone knows him, everyone knows the situation, so I use him. Like I'm seeing now, what what has it been? Nine years, eight years since he's played with with the Heat, and they're like, oh, you're talking about like the team that he built with bad knees, Wade, and like terrible Chris, <laughs> Bu- like what the fuck? Or what? Like 
are, are you kidding me right now? Like Hall of Famer, you... Chris Bosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, like that's what I think bothers me in a lot of this. And Nas, what you actually articulated great is like, these guys just know that in 20 years on their basketball reference, 30 years, it's just going to say I was a four-time champion. I was a five-time champion. And you lo- and we're, I'm like seeing that in real time. And that's the part that annoys me. Like when you think of context, and we talked a little bit about this on the last pod, you think of like a Dirk Nowitzki championship or a Toronto Raptors championship, like that weighs more to me than Kevin Durant's championship. Because it's like you were supposed to do that. Like not only were you supposed to do that, you were the overwhelming favorite to do that. It was like the most predictable. And it's not that predictability because, you know, people can predict things and there are betting odds and things, but like no one had it shot against the healthy Golden State Warriors for those years. And even to a point, the Raptors won because Katie got hurt. They probably don't win that series if Katie and Clay Clay, got hurt. So it's like, I think that's the part that bothers me the most. Again, does that make me a little bit of like a old man yelling at cloud? Sure. It probably does. But I'm just a context person in general. When you think of rankings or you think of like, you know, talking about different things, like some of my best memories of the NBA didn't have to do with, you know, I guess an accolade or a ring or it was just like a in the moment, like, oh, my God, I just saw a flash of brilliance or like this team captivated me as a kid. You know, like you think of like I, when I was a kid, I loved the, the New Jersey Nets. They, they never they didn't win. Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, and and Vince Carter, but I just have so many memories of that. Like, I don't care how many rings they they didn't get. Like I'm gonna remember that team forever. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know, just the the arbitrary like we need the ring to like really cement things. Like, I just don't feel that way. Yeah, and I guess that's the part that that bothers me with, with the whole with the whole thing. Yeah, I mean. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. That's all. Uh, that's I was like, I, was I thought he, I thought he had something to that, but uh, no, Frank, I, I, I agree with, with you. I, but again, that's not necessarily on the players, though. That, that's, I think, more to Agreed. do with the NBA just emphasizing rings and, and nothing else matters. But that's, that's a lot of it because, I mean, just primetime games, things like that. You know, we don't see the Spurs because they, why, why the fuck would anyone want to watch, you know, that team, their style of basketball? Like, you know, you got to watch the Warriors 85 times, even without Clay Thompson. Like it's, it's just the way that the NBA has built their brand. It's, it's not necessarily team driven anymore. It's all about the players. It's player focused, player starred. And honestly, a lot of these guys are trying to probably get their name in the, in the spotlight a little bit more. So why wouldn't I go to a team that's a little more star-studded than maybe where I could go and, and try to, you know, resurrect a fucking dead team, which kind of just full circle is why I liked the the Vooch trade for the Bulls, because it's, it's, a, it's a sign that while we don't necessarily, you know, we're not just giving away draft picks, we, you know, top four protected, we're not as concerned about drafting. We want to make the Bulls a respected organization again. We want to win. We want to do anything we can to win. So we'll sacrifice the future a little bit to get a, an all-star now who's a good fucking player. And I think that just makes that destination a little bit more attractive in the free agent, you know, offseason where guys are like, well, you know, Zach Levine's pretty good. You know, they got some good players here and there. Let's, you know, let's go over there. It's it's just how teams are built now. It's not necessarily, I, I think, honestly, people forget that the Warriors literally drafted their entire team, like, except for, yeah. except for Kevin Durant they, and, and Andre Iguodala, who I feel like doesn't get a lot of, you know, enough respect, but 
I mean, that team was pretty much everybody was drafted on that team. And I feel like that's, that may be the last time we see something like that happen. Yeah. I mean, it, and I have like, uh, there's been a lot said right now, so I'm just kind of like <laughs> recapping in my head. Um, <laughs> because I'm just like, I'm thinking of draft picks and we've discussed it quite a bit here, like here and there. And it's just like on the, like draft picks are nice. And, and those halls for trades for these stars in, in regards to the bulls. And it's like on the other end of that, you have to evaluate and draft that player. So there's two parts of that having the pick and then executing the pick. And it's like, what those teams are doing is they're just trying to increase their odds to find that one guy. Right. You know, and it's like, and we think of that Warriors team as like, uh, you know, oh yeah, we drafted everybody here, but it's like, besides Clay, Steph and Dre, like the fact that they hit on three of those picks makes you think the whole team was drafted. But if you look at like the original roster in 2015, it's actually like, it's like three, three, those three guys and like maybe a couple others. And then, like, the other eight guys are just, like, solid bench guys that they picked up along the way or traded right. for, like, David Lee or Andrew Bogut. You know, like, like it, 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 it's just, like, you don't have to hit on that many. Like, these guys are, like, all these teams are acquiring picks. Those picks are going to get moved again, without a doubt. There's no way I'm looking at the Rockets Hall right now for Harden. Like, that, there's no way all those picks are going to stay with them. One of those, at least a few of those are going to get moved because some of those are three and four years apart. And if anybody listening to is familiar with the NBA, most rookie contracts are about four years long. So rookies are up for extension by the fourth year. So you can't have multiple guys coming up for extensions over and over again. You're not going to have the money to pay for them. And, and well, one, the odds of them all hitting. Yeah, aren't gonna, that's just not going to happen. But let's say they did. You wouldn't be able to hang on to that team for very long. Eventually, they would like those guys would probably leave to get you paid somewhere else. If you, like depending on what you value them at. Um, I'm kind of losing my track of thought right now because <laughs> I just like can't totally. Um, You're truly one of us now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, wait. So I. Naz, while you recover your train of thought there, I, I, I guess another layer because as I sat and thought about maybe why things like losing the context upsets me is that like, you know, when you get into discussions of, of ranking people, and this is when I started like early on to realize like people just lose content or only care about rings or whatever. Like I always tell people like to me, Charles Barkley is the best, not the greatest, not legacy, just the best power forward that I've ever seen. I mean, he was fucking phenomenal. Like you just watch his tape, you watch him play. He was awesome. They're like, what? Like they're naming guys with more rings than him. And I'm just like, and, and, and I'm looking at like what Damian Lillard's doing right now. And I'm like, he very well, he very may well be that he, he may never win a ring. He just decided to stay loyal, which I'm not saying is better or worse than, you know, leaving. I'm just saying he made that decision, but that didn't make him bad at basketball. All of a sudden it didn't make him one of the best players of this era. It didn't make him not the second best point guard behind Steph Curry. You know what I mean? Like you just, it, it when you dwindle everything down to just like, Oh, here's my ring. Like, if Blake Griffin wins a ring this year with the Nets, is that all of a sudden fucking cementing him as a top 10 power forward of all? You understand, like, it just it gets very weird to me in, in that. So I just thought a little bit more as to why that bothers me. Yeah, I I, I agree with that, Frank. But, I mean, that's just that's just talk for pretty much every sport other than I would say probably baseball. Because baseball, I, yeah. I think everyone, for whatever reason, just agrees that, oh, it's a team sport. Whereas 
So is it's like the most individual like, sport. <laughs> like, like a fucking wide receiver on a team with like just Allen Robinson. Like he's still a great, a great wide receiver, even with playing with fucking bum ass quarterbacks. Like, and, and him winning a ring in that context does nothing in the sense that, oh, it makes him a better player in my opinion. But because the NBA, because players and and i think just with the ring chasing i think it's just put more emphasis on it for fans that maybe wouldn't necessarily have cared as much about rings if i and i'm not saying this is like the best example just kind of going back to it but because lebron the way that it it was handled the whole situation with him going to miami and that just becoming one of the most hated teams of all time i think that really changed the narrative of our rings you know, what's the importance of a ring? Like, is it impressive that you team up with guys to win a ring? Is it, you know, more impressive to win it on your own? You know, like, does it really matter? Cause like, I mean, it's just funny. Cause you know, the argument for, for Jordan is, is that, well, he's six for six. That makes him the greatest of all time. And like that, you know, that, that's your opinion. Fine. But I mean, if you're going for rings, then I mean, Bill Russell would be considered the greatest of all time, but People are just like, no, 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 that, no, we're not talking about that. And it's like, then what, what's your point? Like, what is, what are you trying to say about the rings? If you just want to discredit it because it's LeBron, just fucking say that. Just fucking say it, admit it. And enough of the fucking Mickey Mouse ring shit. I, I can't, I can't stand that phrase. I'm, that's, that's, I'm done with it. I'm ha- I've had enough. I saw it in baseball. Someone say that. They, the Dodgers oh, want to, what the fuck are you talking about? That's, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. That's it. That's that's the point I was going to make. Here's how I'm feeling about the whole thing for myself. Because <laughs> I can only speak for myself. If we are comparing players that we were able to watch in our era of basketball. So for me, what I truly pro- like remember game to game is probably from the time I was seven. So around 96 to now. So that like. And for some, you know, and and again, I can't explain it, but for some reason, I can remember like the field goal percentage Mike's shooting in 98, but I can't remember what my fiance told me 10 minutes ago. I don't really understand why it works that way, but it does. And, and that's fine. You know what? And she's accepted that about me and we're all, we're all good. Um, That's all that matters. But so it's like, so for that, at that point, and so if you're someone who considers yourself like a similar sports fan, you've been watching basketball just as long and we're like debating on who we thought was better. And the ring conversation comes in at like point two, And there's not a huge disparity between the players. Like the conversation is pretty much over for me. Like, like, I, I, like knowing what your like kind of bullet point system is for, or justification why you think a pl- player is better. If we're comparing, you know, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, and then when Dame's done with his career, like Dirk has one, Dame most likely if he stays in Portland will have none. But I bet you when we break it down towards if Dame lasts as long as Dirk did, if he lasts 20 years, when we break down the numbers and what we actually saw with Dame, like they'll probably be comparable players. I, you know, like I, just based on the productivity, the leadership, all these things. And then, if, but if at, at point two someone goes like, well, Dirk got that ring, and so it's like. That's like point nine in this conversation. Like there's a lot of other things we should be discussing when we're debating these two players before we get to the 2011 season where, you know, he pretty, you know, like where he got his ring about like, like, so 
that that's kind of how, how it is for me. And I, and I hope that like, I feel like this conversation has come up a few times in some national podcasts and some, maybe some national articles that I've like read over the last couple of years. I'm hoping we're actually transitioning out of it because it's, it's been like, it's been a thing that's gotten brought up semi recently. So I hope we transition out of it a little bit. Um, and I, I hope the players kind of are starting to like, maybe think about it a little bit, think about it just a teensy bit more. Like, I'm just like, I'm over the ring conversation. Like, I'm just like exhausted by it. It's, it it sucks. It's like, it's sucking the fun out of like what we love about basketball, like the creativity that some of these players have and like what the emotions that they cause me to have, like fucking Jason Williams, like think about him early 2000s, Jason Williams and how you felt when you were watching him play for the Kings and Grizzlies a little bit. And it's just like, that dude never won anything, but like, think of the respect and how you fucking revere that guy right now. Like, when you see highlights of him on your fucking Instagram or TikTok, like, I pause every time to watch, no doubt in my mind. So it's like, that's like kind of where my like where I want to like have those conversations. Like, okay, how did I feel when I watched that player play? Do the numbers like are they going like accordingly with what I'm thinking in regards to that player? And then, like, maybe eventually number six on the list, like, oh, like, well, how did he play in the playoffs? How did he, like, like just refresh my memory? How did he look in that series against the Lakers? I can't, like, totally remember. And now everything's on fucking YouTube, so if I want to rewatch the game, I can't. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, like, that. that's how, like, that's how I want to have the conversation. So, if that, and if championships are starting to get brought up, like, bro, like, go have this combo with someone else. Like, that's kind of where I'm at with the ring thing. I'm, I'm right there with you, and I think that's – that's the part that annoys me so much about it because it, it's, and it's not to take any sort of accountability away from LeBron, but like, I think he was the, like part of the perfect storm of this ring conversation. He came in with so much hype. He was supposed to be this good. And he's even exceeded the absurd expectations he had coming in from high school. But it was just like by year four, you haven't won a ring yet. You're supposed to be Michael. You're supposed to be Kobe. You're supposed and like, he really fell victim to like, just the, the media being, you know, following him around since he was four years old. You know, social media is starting to become a thing. So you're hearing it from fans now, too. And he's like, well, I got to win. And again, like there's still it was still his decision. I'm not taking that away from him. But then now that's compounded. So when you see, you know, people say things facetiously or try to, like, build their own narrative with it. But like him doing that caused this to happen. And that eventually was the domino effect to get KD over to Golden State. Cause now the best player in the league has this mindset. And again, it's not, I'm not trying to say it's, it's um, right or wrong. I'm just kind of saying what it is. That's what happened. He joined, you know, Dwayne Wade with no knees and Chris Bosh, who was a bum and he won rings because of that. And, um, but like, the, I, I truly think that it's compounded as years gone on and we're kind of seeing that huge split. Now we're seeing it. It's like the Nets and the Lakers. It's like, everyone's trying to do that. Granted, we've gone past the road. Everyone isn't in their prime anymore, but I, I think that that is still there. And I'm right with you now. It's like, I, I was saying it even when he was in Cleveland, I was like, to me, he doesn't even play like Michael. Like, so if we're, if we're talking about Michael and LeBron, like he, like LeBron is just a different type of player. Like he, he doesn't play that same style. He didn't have, and the people will go, oh, it's like the killer instinct. And, Maybe there's that that's it, but like that's just not him. He's a playmaker. He wants to set up his his teammates. He wants to he he made like and we've had this discussion too, Nas. I think off air, like 
he makes the perfect play almost sometimes to a fault. He's like a fucking, almost like how people describe Eminem as a rapper, like you're robotic. You do everything too perfect. And it's like, he does that. Like, oh, I'm triple team. Let me throw it to James Jones in the corner instead of me like taking the last shot sometimes. But like, that's just who he is. And that's, that's what he does. He's more Magic Johnson to me than he is Michael Jordan. And that's not a good or bad thing. It's just a style thing. So when I start talking about players in that realm, it's like, it just doesn't even, just like you said, like rings, Honestly, I'd, rather than not even come up at all, forget like coming up ninth or tenth on the list. Like, I don't, I don't care. Context is just so huge. And when you start talking about guys' legacy, like for me, the most impressive thing in LeBron's legacy is that he probably had to deal with the the biggest and harshest change throughout a career, and he still was the best player in the league. You know, uh, once Kobe really started to, to to fall, probably second to him. And I don't think we've ever seen that before. I mean, you're talking about Michael Jordan. He dominated an era that was for big men. Like you, you even like going back to that documentary, there were like some of the players like, yeah, like Michael's cool, but he's not six foot ten. Sorry, he's not. He's not a seven footer. Sorry, and he fucking dominated that era. Like those to me are are is their legacy to me. Like rings are great, sure, do your thing, but like, I guess that goes back to the context thing. Like the the context with all of this, and it goes back to even what I said about KD. And I know I I don't know why I keep using Dirk, but it's just the easiest example. Like. His ring to me is better than his too because the context of everything. You think of, we kind of talked about it last episode. You think of the failure, the fucking first round exit from the MVP of the league, like number one seed. And then he just has this whole retribution story. He comes back and beats the team that was supposed to win. Like context matters and all that. And I think you lose that when you're just like, oh, Nas has three rings and Frank has two. Well, he's fucking bet. Like it's, it's, it's become an annoying conversation. It's become an annoyance. It, and I think it does truly a disservice to, the product that we actually have. And, and, and ultimately I'll throw this to you, Jack. That's why I don't watch anymore. I think that's really one of the, it's just like, it's all about rings, rings, rings. And when I think back as a kid, I was watching players who never won anything and I was in awe of them. Yeah. I, I, I agree with, with both the point. I think it's just, it's as simple as this. It's, it's not fun. It's not fun to debate. It's not fun to talk about. It's, it, it just, because then, I mean, even you get into the, when you're talking about players who do have maybe the equivalent number of rings, then it becomes, well, Steph doesn't have an, you know, he doesn't have a finals MVP. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> like, honestly, what, what is your fucking point? Like, it's just to the point where I think because the league is just so player driven and player focused, it's, it's hard to have conversations anymore up with, rational people or at least it it's, feels a lot more rare because you're not talking about the Warriors as a team anymore you're not talking about it in the context of you know was were the 2015 Warriors better than you know better team than the 2016 Warriors no you're talking about it individual players um or accomplishments on that sense and it's just it's just not fun to talk about when you're just looking for any excuse to talk about why players are worse. And I feel like that's really what the conversation is. It's not necessarily, oh, I think LeBron James is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. It's Michael Jordan is a worse basketball player than LeBron James because of this, where it's just like, that's not a fun conversation. Like if you truly feel something, fucking stick with it and, and tell me why. Don't just be like, well, it's better than that because, you know, this, that, and this. Like I just... It's just not it's it's not a fun conversation to have. I think it's, it's really simple. But, 
and I think to your point though, the reason that it isn't is because you're not accepting both players' greatness when you have those right. conversations. You're like, to your point, you're knocking another guy down instead of just saying, "Hey, Michael's great, but this is why I think LeBron," or vice versa. LeBron is great, but this is why I think, you know, Michael or Kareem or whoever is is better than them. It's not like that. That's what it, it gets deduced to is just like, yeah, he's a fucking bum. And then it, it, it like it has gotten to this point where you all of a sudden just act like these players to like. I don't know if I made this point last podcast, but this is like the, the biggest example. And it's, it's crazy to me that people have these types of voices in the national media. Nick Wright goes on and this is why Michael Jordan is the most overrated player because he couldn't beat the piss. He never beat Larry in a series, this and that. And then like the week later, he's like, here's my top 50, LeBron, Michael. And I'm like, you just <laughs> told me how fucking bad Michael was last week. Like, what are you? T-? And that's, I think, to your point, it, it's so asinine to me that that's a thing. I do want to clarify one thing for any listeners. None of us are taking away from the idea of winning a championship. We are in no way saying championships do not matter. It is extremely hard, and it definitely should be used as part of the criteria if you yourself are ranking players. We are, we're just saying it's, it's kind of weird if it's like talking point number two as to why one player sucks more than the other. Or, or or like as like that's like why someone categorically is way better than the other person like it doesn't work like that there's a lot of factors into winning a championship there's a lot of health luck that you need there's a lot of teammate luck that you need and and you know I, you know like there's definitely there's so many there's a lot of factors involved with it which is why we think it's a very valuable criteria and it's maybe it shouldn't be one of the top ones right away when you're when you're separating great players specifically players that you view as great. I just want to clarify that for the listeners because there's a couple times where we're like, championships don't matter. It's like, no, they fucking matter. We definitely yeah. think they matter, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think, not, I, I think to your point, though, I, I think maybe the reason why we get annoyed with it being brought up so early is is to your point, like, you you can't take into account some of the randomness, some of the teammate luck. Like, Paxson had to hit that shot. Steve Kerr had to hit that shot. Ray Allen had to hit that shot. That has nothing to do with Michael or, or LeBron. You know what I mean? Jason Terry had to hit quite a few fucking shots for Dallas in that series. You know what I mean? Like, that has nothing to do with Dirk. Like, it takes away from me the team portion of everything. When people act like, oh, so-and-so did it on his own. Michael didn't do it on his own. Kobe didn't do it on his own. Shaquille O'Neal didn't do it on his own. LeBron did it. No one does it on their own. Like, this is a team game at the end of the day. We can have our gripes with the way teams are built and with maybe, you know, my gripe with the mid-level talent needs to be a little bit better. But at the end of the day, these elite teams are great teams. It doesn't matter who, who the best player is. It, it matters how it all comes together and gels together in, in, in that fashion. I think that's the, the part that can get really annoying with that. Yeah, and that just goes to, to my point where I was talking about it's it, like baseball is the one sport for some reason that has the sanctity of it being a team sport where it's like that's that's the case for every other fucking like, – yeah. like you said, those were just three quick examples you gave of, of guys that hit shots that – aren't necessarily considered to be obviously Ray Allen is, but obviously not, you know, John Paxson in his own right. Definitely but it's not just at like, that time when he hit that shot. Yeah. Like, no, 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 just, no. oh, well, yeah. And, and that gets, for some reason that somehow gets brought up against Michael Jordan, where it's like, well, you know, he, he had to have Steve Kerr hit that. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I mean, really, what is the conversation to be had? And, and rings, Rings do matter, of course, and that's why I don't hold it against players when they decide to team up. I, I really don't. Like, 
I think it hurts the league more than it hurts players. I, I don't personally care that much about players' legacies. And that's why I don't really I don't put a lot of stock into personal uh, personal awards because it, it has really nothing to do with you as a fan. Like it, it's fun to root for like Derrick Rose winning the MVP, but at the end of the day, it's like it doesn't impact you directly. Um, whereas like LeBron, he has four, but realistically, if you're having the the true conversation, he should he should probably have a lot more than that. Um, I just don't put a whole lot of stock into that. I think everything kind of should should be a factor, not just necessarily rings. Like, if you're going to ask me who's a better player, Damian Lillard or Derrick Rose in his prime, I'm not going to start with the fact that, well, it doesn't really matter because neither have won a ring. So, like, why are we even talking? <laughs> that's, that's not going to be the point that I bring up. It's it's just a little bit different. Yeah. But then, so then I, I think one thing we can all agree on then, because when you think of context and the way that players may be teaming up in a fashion that whether we dislike or like or dislike it, it's happening. It, it's what it is, right? I think that's why it's important to just talk about eras. It, it, it could be a fun conversation to kind of, could he translate? But when you really don't know the answer or like, having that greatness talk, I think that's when you start getting into the stupid knocking people down, talking about rings. But like the guys didn't, the, the players in the eighties and nineties in the early two thousands really couldn't team up. They may wouldn't built that way just yet. It wasn't a thing just yet. So it's like, how can we compare if, you know, KD Kyrie and James Harden go off to win four championships? Like how can we compare that to a bulls diet? You can't, it's just a totally different. And it's not, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I, I hope that didn't come across to everyone listening. Like I'm like, you can't compare it. Cause I'm just saying it, it's what it is. They did it in a different way. Cause we're in a different era and that's just what it is. So it's like, when you talk about different eras and, and things, I, I feel like the conversation just needs to stay within the era, you know? And, and, and that's to my point, I, I guess an overarching point Jack, you kind of made some, it, um, you said like it may be an NBA problem for certain things or the NBA sort of perpetuated this, like they, you know, it makes the money with, with things. But I think to me, that's come more from the media than anything. I would love if the NBA could, specifically just the NBA, because I think other sports, like when ESPN reports on other sports, it's not as polarizing. But like the way that sort of the UFC does, and I hate the UFC, but I do like that they kind of have like, here are UFC reporters. They're going to talk to everyone. They kind of try to get everyone's name out there. I would love that for the NBA in some fashion where it's like more, I guess, isolated reporting where it's like, yeah, we're going to talk to the six man from the fucking Hawks because he's phenomenal and you don't know who he is. You know what I mean? Like, or whatever it is, like just more, because if not, you have these national media heads, Stephen A. Smith. Max Kellerman, who can't watch every single game, they're talking about multiple different things. Like they don't have the ability to do that, so they're going to deduce everything of these conversations, you know? Yeah, I think for the NBA's sake, like I think it's, I, I, and maybe I'm wrong with this. Maybe this is just personal opinion, but I feel like it's. <laughs> it's I think you it's, can feel it's me like pretty, it's pretty back much before I even have. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty much agreed upon that NBA TV is fucking terrible like the the equivalent of the nfl network i i do not like nba tv i don't like how they present anything they're the the hosts usually just sound like they're fucking bored out of their mind and maybe that's changed <laughs> i haven't watched in, in a while um i just full transparency but but i feel like the nba because it's such a simple game to understand it, it i mean out of you know when it comes to baseball, when it comes to the NFL, even there's not as much 
chess playing as there is in, in those two, you know, with all the, you know, with the bullpen, how you decide to deploy guys in left field, right field, the shift, you know, batting orders, whatever it is. NFL, obviously, you got the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. They're, you know, because the NBA is just so easy to, you know, jump in at any point of the game and you're not going to be lost. You're going to know what's what's going on. I, I feel like that makes it easier for guys like Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman to just talk because it's just so accessible mm. for everybody where you don't necessarily need to have, you know, you don't need to have Peyton Manning coming on to NFL network to explain, you know, what the Colts did here, there, there, like you can pretty much figure out what's happening when you watch basketball. And like granted analytics are definitely becoming more of a thing. And, but I mean, players, they don't really do that much. That's different. Basically the, end goal is to have the ball go into the hoop. Now there's guys with different specialties, you know, rim protectors, rebounders, that type of thing. But overall, just from a visual standpoint, you don't really need a whole lot of explanation when it comes to what is happening in a basketball game. That's just, that's my opinion. Ooh, yeah, that one really, that one really got me going there. Got I, I saw this steam. <laughs> now I thought of every jab that's, step, every hezzy, Every That's where like, I'm going with it. Every I, I really just wanted to get I was the thinking about Give us the I was content, thinking about, Give it to us. Uh, I was thinking about how every color commentator in the NFL is irrelevant except for Tony Romo. He is the only <laughs> one in the league that gives me insight that I don't already know by watching the that's, fucking screen. If it's 0-0 zero, zero in the it. third quarter, I can tell you what happened in the NFL game. No one scored. What's the difference? Between seeing a 76-78 game in the third quarter of an, of an NBA game, you oh yeah, this game's close and they're both scoring and, and playing uh, not so great defense. Yeah, oh man, I, no, no, no. I let me let me clarify. With let, that shit. let me let me clarify something. <laughs> I w- the point I was making was not in-game stuff. In-game commentary, I I think NBA actually does it pretty well. I think the the TNT stuff that that's that's great. That's fantastic. The Bulls broadcast at home. They radio or TV. It's, it's, it's incredible. You can get a lot of information from it. My point was that for people who don't necessarily watch every single team, you can get a good idea of what is going on in the NBA simply because of the talk show type shit. Like the talk shows could delve into more NBA stuff and, and make these wild accusations because it's a lot easier to, to really kind of relate to that than it would be to on the NFL side. So not necessarily in-game stuff, more of the, what Frank was referring to, talking about the, you know, the wild comments that people, the hot take shit. I think that the hot take shit culture is what Frank was See, I thought, to. Jack, when you had said what you said, I took it more of like, I would, um, because you don't have to like explain, oh, this defense, this was the cover two and this, the corner fucked yeah. up because he was, you know, he did this or he didn't help hold him to the sideline that the NBA could present things better. I, I The angle I thought you were going to take was that the NBA, because this is the way I feel, I'll throw it to you now, the NBA needs like a red zone. If there are multiple games, keep going back and forth and show it to me that way because it's not that hard to digest. Now, granted, just like every sport, if people can say that about boxing, it's just people punching. You can deduce everything to like the very basic of what it is. And then someone who's really like a nerd of it, like I am with boxing, like Nas is with, with, with basketball, you can like delve deeper and like into the technique of it. But I think the NBA can do a better job of presenting in that fashion where it's just like showing us more, less national. I don't need to see 
you know, the same teams on TNT every Tuesday or whatever, like give me more of the NBA product as a whole, because it's not that hard for me to catch on to. I, I don't need to watch every second if I don't want to, like if, if, you know, I can have a red zone. I don't know what they would call it, a goal zone. I don't know. But like if I had something like that, it would be one, easier for me to keep up with. But then two, just like the ability for me to see more and, you know, enjoy it more for, for the product that it is. That was the angle that I thought you were taking. It was not. And it, it, wasn't, you, you, it, 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 it wasn't completely fucked up and Nas is pissed at you. Yeah. I want to go uh, oh, man. on fire on this fucking way. Fuck it's some uh, yeah i mean i i guess i guess when you clarify what you said i still disagreed with it that's perfectly <laughs> like, fine i just you know i just like i i i think if you're a general sports fan you can look at like a few numbers and make the like uh, And I don't want to say what Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman is doing is, like, specifically those two. Like, I don't want to say what they're doing is easy. They are entertaining millions of people in a group, like, you know, and it's fine. And it's it's made for general sports fans, I think. Because, like you said, they cannot go too in-depth because they're covering all of it to a degree, you know. So, like... Uh, so like I'm not gonna really knock them for you know they're good at what they do for what they need what they what they're trying to do right. okay but if you want an in-depth look at the league they're probably not for you you know um and then like Frank to touch on your red zone uh comment like the I think you know the NBA has you know league pass and I I don't know if you know this but on league pass after a game has been played they cut it down to a 10 minute short after the game so you can review the game like red zone style and see what you would find probably pertinent in that game slows it down for it like like it, it like it'll even play replays of great plays within the game so you get to see the. it's not like it fast forwards through it. it it shows all the prominent plays throughout the game and shows replays of like fantastic dunks and stuff it's actually pretty cool it catches you up briefly on the game and like what you might have missed uh, from a game from a team that wasn't on a national stage or whatever um and then i also think we need to acknowledge like the nfl is just more fun to gamble on because of its frequency and like like right like and because and scoring is scarce even though like they're moving towards more scoring and you still don't score as much in the nfl as you do in, in a lot of other sports so that's where and so red zone provi- for, provides a service for anybody gambling or has a fantasy team like you know the nba is just they're just and for me that's apples and oranges they're just built too different for the nba to do that style because it's like they're they're scoring every 10 seconds like what are we gonna, we're gonna flip flop every five seconds between channels like i i, I think the i think the nba league pass app if anybody doesn't have it should at least think about doing a free trial because it is it's it's fucking awesome if you're an nba fan yeah. yeah they, well, uh, not, well, I guess my idea really quick, Jack, and I'll throw it over to you. Yeah. My idea was, and Adam Silver, if you're listening to this, this is fucking copyrighted. <laughs> I own the rights to this. But it was like, if multiple games are on at the same time, they wouldn't, you would like manually flip through and go, right. oh, they're at the end of the second quarter. Let me watch the last two minutes of that. They're at the end of the, like, you can kind of pick and choose. There'd be like a box up top where you can zone in. I mean, I would, I would pay a good coin for that like something like you know where i'd be able to kind of tune in at my own uh at my own pace for for stuff oh no dude dude, that's league pass like okay can you do that you can go oh 
dude, dude, that's all, like, on, like, great game nights, like, on a random Wednesday night where you're like, oh, shit, like, great matchup, great matchup, great matchup. Oh, this one's in the first quarter. Maybe I'll try to hop into the second quarter or, at, like, at the end of the first half or at the end of the fourth if, if it gets close. For, if for some reason, it's a blowout right now. Like, you can definitely, you can easily switch in and out of games. It's friggin' sweet. They, uh, the NBA, to their credit, actually made League Pass free uh, when COVID was first like starting to happen they're like fuck it like we need we need people watching our fucking games um, eyes on the screen and, eyes and on the screen. yeah and they're and they're like well we know people aren't gonna pay for shit when everyone's fucking losing their jobs and everything so to their credit they they did do that and and i actually did get a, a chance to check it out i i just didn't stick with it because obviously they you know went into a pause for a good three months but i i for me basketball I think it's just clearly, to me at least, and again, you can disagree if you want, that's that's totally fine, but I just think it's so accessible in the sense that what's happening right now with, with March Madness, like, I mean, you could fucking talk, and, and that's just, that's the way they present it, that's totally fine, but I mean, people who have no clue that their college basketball exists, you know, for, for every month, as soon as March turns, the calendar turns, everyone's like, oh, fuck, I need to get my bracket together. Like, people love, like, they just, they, they can tune in. It's it's an easier game to watch, I think, than trying to figure out exactly what's happening in, in football. I just and, and like you said, it's it's difficult to compare for sure. I just think it's, basketball is just a, a an easier product to consume for more casual people. I, I think it's really just as simple as that. And, and, and I'm not a, saying that's, that's wrong. Thing, like, that's not that's not right no. or wrong. Like, like there is a way to. It, it's not the only way. It's not a game built for casual people. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying mm-hmm. on the aspect of someone who I know doesn't like sports at all, i.e. my my fiance, she will go to basketball games with me because it's just it's easier. It's an easier concept to understand mm-hmm. for just anybody. As opposed, and it's it's fast. It's a fast-paced fucking game. Yeah, baseball I, I think is that's fucking the primary slow. Reason it's the more NFL, fun to go to. Exactly, and and the NFL for as as you know many explosive plays as they typically can have. There's also 40 seconds in between every single fucking play. Like it's it, basketball. I think is just a product that could be exploited a lot more to a more general population. That's kind of I, my. I, I mean, I think that's why it's attracting younger fans, you know, like, you know, I mean, and certainly NFL has like their share of young fans, but I think the reason the NBA is trending more with younger fans than say MLB is because they are a fast moving league and it's, and it's like, it's fun and exciting. And you, you look away, you can miss something and it's very like Instagrammable, you know, like a great dunk, like it goes viral. Like a lot of, a lot of kids are watching basketball via TikTok like these highlights of LaMelo that are like that go viral and stuff. So it's like, I, I think that's the reason it attracts younger fans is because it is fast paced. And like, for example, my fiance too, like she would much rather go to a bulls game over a bears game. Because right. she's like, what am I looking at? These dudes, they play and they stop, they play and they stop. Like, I don't understand. And, and it's like the, the, the NBA, this is a great, actually, this is a great like little advertisement is why the NBA is better than the nfl guys this give is, it to this us. is it, it this is us. it right here it's more it's easier on the eyes it's easy to follow there's great athleticism in front of you there's not a lot of stoppages except for the last two minutes which suck 
but that happens in a lot of other sports. I'm just saying, like, it, it's a, it's more family fun. Like, the Andersons got tickets. Nah. Anybody, anybody who's seen that commercial, you totally know what I just got. You totally know what I just said. Well, but I, I, I don't think I have seen that commercial. But um, I think in person, basketball is much but I think I think to what me and Jack are saying, and and Nas, I, I mean, you watch a lot of football too. I think you would probably agree. But it, it, it's tough because it is the NFL is more of an event. It, it's once a week. Yeah. You get the Thursday. The it's just an event. The NBA is like, yeah, the fucking Bulls are playing Spurs on Wednesday, and they're come back up. It's just like 82 games. You got to get them out. So that that in it of itself is different. But the presentation, I I just want there to be. I don't want the presentation of the NBA to be from fucking general people who don't really watch the game i want like people in the know to have the louder voices and that's why i love having like Nas, if me and jack were to do these episodes without you we would sound like bumbling fucking idiots with no pushback from someone who actually <laughs> watches every, every single well it is but we're more not we're much more knowledgeable about the bears in the nfl than we are about the nba i think some of our notions are correct i think some of them aren't correct where Nas comes in and says hey actually this happened actually this is what's going on. And maybe that's why you feel that way. And then we kind of get a fuller picture based on that. He hasn't changed my mind because the NBA fucking sucks. But what I'm saying is <laughs> we get a look into someone who is, you know, who, who really has the full picture of everything. And I, I want more of that on my TV screen as well. You know what I mean? And I, I think, again, maybe I'm not searching for it like I need to be. You know, maybe it's it, or maybe I'm correct. Maybe it's in the middle. Maybe it does need to be a little bit more accessible. But I'm also not searching for it like I need to be. But yeah, I, I think that's kind of my my stance on it when it comes to the the product itself. I, I do, know. Oh, go I, ahead, Jack. I, I was just gonna say real quick. I do think the NBA could do a much better job in terms of how they, you know, just just more like they they do have good broadcasters, like in game guys who can break it down, and and they do try different ideas, like. Some of them, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The the players, I, I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was like more than a few years ago. They on TNT they had their players only broadcast or something like that. It was like former players, like KG, like doing not play by play, but it was like all color commentary, and it was terrible. It was yeah, really, they got really fucking bad. I don't know if you heard, but like that, that's kind of not a thing anymore because it's like notoriously awful. Yeah, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it was shit. It was. I'm shit. glad that I'm not like I, as 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 limited as I am in terms of just how much basketball overall I consume. I I do watch the Bulls quite a lot, but like just overall NBA stuff, I'm glad I'm not alone on that because I was fucking confused by what was happening in game. Like they would be talking about plays that happened four plays ago and everything else is happening and they're still stuck on this one play. And then they start making jokes with each other. And I'm like, what, who is this for? Who, who is supposed there, to be watching? So I, I didn't see any of that at all. I don't think maybe if I see some clips, it'll refresh my memory, but that actually, if they were to do that, like once a month, that would be fucking phenomenal. That actually sounds really cool. And that's not something <laughs> I would do all the time. Okay. Frank, here's what you need to do. Next time Chris Weber is on a televised game, Listen to everything he says, but oh, double it. Make make sure make make sure there's two people there, and that's what players only day is. It's the freaking but, worst. No, I know, but what I'm saying is, I think that this this sounds like mean, but like we have two terrible teams out there. Just once a month, like trot KG and and Shaq, and just have them like bullshit out there like that. That it, it could be an entertaining. I feel like I I see what they were trying to do, no, and it probably yeah. just didn't work out. But there there's an opportunity to. 
No, no, it's 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 a it was a good idea. It honestly was like a more kind of free form, just not yeah. as ser- you know taking the game seriously. But it was just you have to have someone there who is paying attention to the game, or else your viewers are just going to be like, <laughs> what what am I? What is yeah. happening right now? Like imagine yeah, sure. going into that. Like you turn on, you're like, oh shit, the game started like 20 minutes ago. I didn't realize it. You fucking turn it on and it's KG talking about whatever the fuck he's talking about. You're gonna be like, what? What is? Yeah. Am I on the right channel? It's that's it, funny. It was just bad. I just I think that the NBA could do a lot better job of just you know with the presentation of it. That that's I think you know a big part of it too. And um, we're it. I, you know, we've talked about this. We talked about this last time. There are probably too many games. It's never going to change. That's not going to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just not. I'm, I'm curious to see about this in-game, you know, in-season tournament that they, they're going to try and do. I'm, I think it's going to be big. I, I'm I all think for so it. Too. Big, yeah. I'm because, all for it. Because, Frank, that, that and, and, you know, maybe we can end on this point. I, I don't know, you know, where you guys are at. But the NBA needs to do something where they can make it or just anything more of an event. Because... Yep. The NBA playoffs don't become really anything meaningful, I'd say, until probably for most fans, I would say probably the 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 you know the championship, not the champion, not the finals, but the conference finals. You know, the conference finals. Thank you. I, I think that's when it everybody starts to kind of like, okay, so like what's going on this season? You know what? Who's on what team? That type of shit. Um, so anything to kind of just make something happen because the regular season sucks it's just not it sucks overall. all right all right let's just overall the regular here. season is fucking terrible let's just call it, what oh it my i think no no no. i i i wouldn't say that Nas. i think you i would it's even terrible no, but, right? but let's let, let's meet let's meet in the middle though Nas. i think even the most hardcore fans like 60 games oh. in are ready for the playoffs like let's 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 be absolutely yeah absolutely like they're they're like baseball, there are dog days to the NBA season. Yeah, one hundred, one hundred percent, there yeah. is. And there's and, like, and, and, and a lot of NBA fans would tell you, shortened season, would, because you know everybody also wants like the survive and advance yeah. part of it. They want yeah. that that do or die part of it. Like the playing tournament, I, I really think it's going to be a huge hit. Especially, I'm just like look, taking a peek at the standings. Like the the, the Lakers are, in case our listeners don't know. LeBron and AD are, are out for an extended period of time. There's a shot. It's an outside shot. They would have to play really poorly. But they could fall into the play-in tournament. Can you imagine the marquee team of the league falling into the play-in tournament while their stars are returning? Like, I think from a gambling sense, it's going to be sweet. Man. From just like, a, you know, like from a, like from like a play, like these guys are going to be playing their asses off to get in the, to get in the playoffs. Like, I, I I love that the NBA chose to do this, and I think it's gonna I think it's gonna hang around. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be like a a weekend we look, not obviously not like March Madness opening weekend traditionally, but it will be a weekend that like of the NBA season where NBA fans get like jacked up for it. Absolutely. Yeah, and and gamblers. It's, it I mean I, I think it, it could honestly eventually change how teams do structure. They're, they're fucking or like they're fucking teams, their rosters, because if you're if you are pinning essentially your two your, your hopes on two fucking guys like essentially the Lakers are. And what happens if they are injured? Your entire fucking season is over before you even get to the, the real playoffs like that could change how teams feel about more mid-level guys. And 
you know, be willing to put in more development towards that. So, you know, maybe, maybe you could see that shift there. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you're like the bulls and you have two guys who for real can like outscore other duos in the league, you know, just based off their efficiency and then like how, how much they can actually score. Like let's like the NBA is taking in the top 10 teams. So you need to be within the top 10 of your conference to make to this play in tournament. So it's like, okay, we got the, we got the Mavs and like, Oh, Luca got banged up last week. Like we could knock them out and get in here. Yeah. And it's just like, and, and just like that, like your team's alive in it. Like you have like yeah. a vested interest, you know, like even though like the season might've been up and down and all of a sudden, but you, you made it in and it's like, Oh shit, we beat them here. Like we're going, like we're in the fucking playoffs. Like, let's go. And, yeah. You know, like I, I, I think it's going to be a fun thing. It's galvanizing and it, it, it's going to add some excitement going into the playoffs. Um, I love April. Like I love April. It's it's all our early playoff time in the NBA is always fun. This just adds to it. I agree. No, I think the one thing that we didn't get to that I did, I just conversation didn't go that way was empty stats. I think we're gonna have to save because I, I have a lot more takes about that tournament. Uh, no negative ones. I, I love the, but I, I just think as we think of the grander scope of the NBA in the next few years, I think we can really delve deep on that. Uh, obviously us being in the NFL off season, we're, there's going to be a little bit more lull. So maybe we, maybe we, before the draft, before we dig deep into that, Jack, now as we have you back on and we talk about that and then we finally get into the empty sure. stats conversation, I feel like we always like almost get there and then we just like <laughs> go, which is fine. I, I, you know, we, we only come in to everyone listening. We come in with more of a loose thing. Cause we don't want this to be a robotic conversation. We want to make points. We want to talk about things. So if the, the conversation goes organically elsewhere and we're just going to go that way, um, but it is my son's bedtime, so I got to go read some stories to him. So <laughs> go be a unfortunately, Yeah, I, I I have to go be a dad. So Jackie, you can uh, you can ride us out into the wind here. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, everyone listening, of course. Frank, thank you for your time. Nas, of course, thanks for coming in and yelling at us a bunch. Always good time <laughs> to have you tell us how dumb we are. The NFL uh, sucks, man. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I agree with Nas, you. Nas is like our Nas is our NBA father. He just like comes in like you fucking yeah. kids. He's like, how fucking dare you talk about my fucking child like that? But uh, no, we we appreciate everyone listening as always. Uh, feel free to uh, to you know follow us on Twitter as uh, as well. Nas, any plugs? Um, Chic Chef Catering did a tasting over there today with my fiance. That place is freaking sweet. The food was phenomenal. Uh, if you are engaged and are listening, you should definitely check them out. They're awesome. There you go. That's that's the plug of the week. We are sponsored by that restaurant, so just just. Think, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Thanks so much. Uh, we'll we'll be back with NFL stuff next week. Uh, we'll we'll talk to you then. Thanks, fellas. See you. All right, y'all.